Mm. The Lord's all up in here. Can you just lift your hands for another moment? Can we just do that? Father. It's all about you. Feel the Lord here. Can we preach? Notice I said, Can we preach? I want you to take your Bibles with me. I'm excited about this word today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalms chapter 95, verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to ask you I know you've been standing on your feet for a long time. But I'm going to ask you to stay on your feet. Some of you have a New Year's resolution to exercise more, and I'm just going to help you with it. Somebody said amen. How many of you are hungry for the word of the Lord? You're hungry for the blessings of God. You're hungry for the precepts of his word. You see, when you are hungry for his word, the environment is conducive for his power because he doesn't have to do something to get your attention because he already has your attention. And when your heart connects to his heart, the spirit of God reveals the power of God. Lord, have mercy. I came ready to preach today. I had last week off, so I came today loaded. Here's the deal. I'm, I'm very excited about the theme for Epicenter Church for 2018. If you didn't tune in last week to stay home for the holidays, the theme is this. It's one word. Belong. Praise the Lord. She knows what year it is. Mm, Jesus. <laughs> Somebody say belong. Mm, belong. I'm excited about this. Now listen, we're going to talk about belong. Today, I'm going to talk about the characteristics of belonging. If you know anything about the word belong, it carries great depth in our English language. But I want to talk about the words belong. Now, listen, let me just say this. It's going to be different today. There's going to be some preach. There's going to be some teach. There's going to be some counseling. I'm not even going to charge you for the counseling. That's free. I'm going to save you some money. However, I do want to talk about the characteristics of belonging, what it means to belong to the body of Christ, what it means to belong to Epicenter Church, what it means today specifically, what it means to belong to God. Because that's our identity. We belong to God. There should be characteristics in our lives that express our belonging to God. Let me talk about this. Before we get to the narrative, Psalms 95, let me say it this way. 
because there's so much work I need to do to establish the foundation for this series. So I'm going to be all over the place. But generally speaking, the theme for Epicenter Church is usually a phrase. Like last year, it was together we can. The year before that, I think it was we are church. The year before that, I think it was count me in. But God gave me one word this year, one word, belong. He gave it to me months ago. And when you begin to think about the value of the word belong, you realize that even though it's one word, it's a powerful word because the entirety of Scripture is built upon the word belong. In fact, if you look at the Gospels, the story of Jesus Christ, the disciples, there were 70 of them. Inside of the 70, there were 12. Inside of the 12, there was a core of three or four disciples. And if you study their lives, you realize that they didn't follow Jesus because they believed in him immediately. They followed Jesus because he made them feel like they belonged to him. In other words, you belong, you will ultimately believe. So how do we talk about those characteristics this year? Belonging to the body of Christ, belonging to the family, the sense of ownership when it comes to belonging to a church that is gospel-centered. Can I read you something really quick? I'm going to read you because I think the Apostle Paul says this better than I can say this. And I'm going to read you Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Stay on your feet. I have a purpose for this. But verses 19 through 22 in the message translation, because Paul talks about belonging. He says it better than I can say it. And this is the passage of scripture that will be the foundation for the series. He says this in verse 19. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you belong here. Look at your second choice who now feels like they do not belong and say, you belong here. Watch this. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. Now, here's what's powerful. I need to pause here for a minute. Because this verse is in direct contradiction to how the church is established in our culture today. Because church in our culture today is more like, um, if you believe like us, you can belong. If you look like us, you can belong. If you dress like us, you can belong. But according to scripture, that is just the opposite. Because according to the gospels, it was, if you belong, you will ultimately believe. Hello? So look what he says. He goes on to say he used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now, here's where it gets good. Now he's using you. Somebody say, he's using me. Look at your neighbor and say, he's using you too. And I know you. And he's still using you. <laughs> Y'all got to go home with that person. I'm just saying. Watch this. So now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick. Listen to this. Stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the stone that was at the corner of the foundation. Everything else kind of butted up to it. It set the, the standard, if you will. It, it made sure that everything was square and everything was plumb. Hmm. Goes on to say, we see it taking shape today. Day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. See, what we want to do is this year is make you grab hold of belonging. 
be, belong, be, be committed, be, be a volunteer, be a servant, be a giver, belong. Because you're a part of the journey. That's what Paul says. That's what God's word says. You're a part of the journey. We're going to do something that we've never done. I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable for a minute. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to move around just around your area and shake some hands of some people that you don't know and say, you belong, you're a part of the story. Come on. You belong, you're a part of the story. You belong, you're a part of the story. You belong, you're a part of the story. Come on. You belong, you're a part of the story. Some of y'all just getting rowdy. Hey. Somebody say, you belong. Now you can have a seat. Mm. Thank you, Richard. Let me expound upon this thought for a moment. The words that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. Because the statement that he makes to the church at Ephesus was not really the first time that that statement had been made, that we belong to God. In fact, a few thousand years before God made that statement, in Exodus chapter 14, when the people of Israel were exiting Egypt and the slavery of Egypt and they were going to the promised land, God said, you belong to me. So there's parallel statements here that separated by thousands of years When you think about that, when you think about belonging to God, our minds should be focused on his presence and his care during the trials of our lives. Our minds should be focused on the triumph that we have in him rather than the trials that we have in life. Are you with me? So let me set this up for you. Exodus chapter 14, the people of Israel are leaving the slavery of Egyptians the Egyptians reign over their lives, if you will, for 400 years. They're finally leaving, and they realize now that God's word is true. They realize now that God is a great God. They realize now that, that, that God is for them. God's for us because he's freed us. And they see the favor of God in their lives. They realize they belong to God. But here was the problem. The moment that they began to leave, the Pharaoh let them go. And after sleeping on it at night, he, he, he thought, man, I've lost my workforce. So I got to go back after them. I'm going to hunt them down. So he began to chase them. They get to the Red Sea and the people of Israel didn't know what to do. And Moses cries out to God. He said, God, I, you said that we, we were your people. You said that we belong to you. You said that you were for us. And we don't know what to do. So God, help us. And at that moment, the Red Sea parts. And the people of Israel, they, they run across on dry ground, the Bible says. 
And then when they get to the other side, Moses picks up his staff. And when he picks up his staff, the walls of water come collapsing down on the Egyptian army. And now the people of Israel realize that God is with them and that God is for them. And they begin to celebrate. And they have this incredible celebration, James. They're writing all of these praise songs. It's in the Bible. They're in the desert, but they have this week-long celebration where they're praising God. God's incredible. This is incredible. We're leaving something old and we're going into something new. We realize that God is for us. We're leaving 2018 and we're going into 2019 and the ball drops and the confetti's flying all around and Jenny McCarthy's kissing everybody in the crowd and, and Ryan Seacrest looks crazy because he's soaking wet. I was like, somebody give that man a hat. He looks crazy. But then the celebration kind of takes a a, a turn. How many of you know that, that sometimes we can transition from one year to the next, but life transitions with us? How many of you know the calendar can flip, but the problems flip the calendar for us many times? Causing many of us to live in the dots. Let me explain that. If you've ever sent a text to someone or they've sent a text to you, you receive the text and at the end of their comment it says dot, dot, dot. Leaving you this ability to just assume what they mean. False assumptions everywhere. How many of you know sometimes that's where we live? We live in the dots. You know what I'm talking about? We live in the dots. We're just making false assumptions about life. We're assuming all of these things about life. Somebody look at your neighbor and give them the title of today's message. Get out of the dots. Look at somebody else and say, get out of the dots. That's where Psalms 95 comes in. Psalms 95 verses 1 through 11 is this story. Really, it's this song that is talking about the victory and the celebration that happens at the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. But then there's a shift and it picks up with the problems that begin to show themselves in Exodus chapter 17. Let me read some of this to you. Can I read it to you? Here's what it says. If you're there, say, I'm there. Psalms 95 says, come, let us sing for the joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Somebody say the rock. We're not talking about Dwayne Johnson. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountains peaks belongs to him. Hmm. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. I'm only coming forward so I can get more into the light. I'm having a little problem with the small print here. It's just the light, y'all. I'm serious. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Now watch this. Here's where it gets cool. He says, for he is our God. And then he says, and we are his people. The sheep of his pasture. The flock under his care. Mm, hold on a second. We belong to him. It's a great celebration. We belong to him. They're celebrating. It's this incredible celebration. We belong to God. Why? Because of the victory that they just had at the Red Sea. We belong to God. 
But then the celebration turns into dejection. There's a shift that happens. Somebody say shift happens. Y'all need to get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come on back up in here, Jesus. Okay, so grab this, grab this. So there's this, this incredible shift that takes place in this passage of Scripture where they go from celebrating to dejection. Where all of a sudden, how many of you know that in life you can be celebrating, but any scenario that plays out in your life that seems to oppose your celebration, your celebration will go out the window. You know what I mean? It's like the great theologian said, you see, when you begin to celebrate and then you lose your celebration or your desire to celebrate because of whatever's going on in your life, fear sets in. And that great theologian, Gary Busey, <laughs> he said, fear is false evidence appearing real. Every now and then, everybody gets it right. So, but think about this false evidence appearing real, then false assumptions. We're living in the dots. Can I tell you something? False assumptions lead to wrong conclusions. So here this group is celebrating in verses 1 through 7. They're celebrating how great God is. He's our rock. He's our salvation. He's our fortress. We're the sheep of his pasture. We belong to him. We're in his care. But then there's this shift, and it happens in verse 7. The rest of verse 7, part B, it says, Today, if, somebody say if. If is the key word. It's the crux in this verse. Today, if, dot, dot, dot. If. If you decide to live inside of verses 1 through 7, that will be your life. But if you decide, watch this, if only you would hear his voice. So if we make a decision not to hear his voice, then we don't live inside of verses 1 through 7. We live inside of verses 8 through 11. Hold on a second. You got to see this. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. Verses 1 through 7, they are celebrating God because of the victory at the Red Sea. The very same people next, this happens. The very same people. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me. They, they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, there are people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath on, in my anger. They shall never enter rest. Hold on a second. Same people. Verses 1 through 7. Celebrating. Then, verses 8 through 11, there's something else that takes place. You see, what happens is they're celebrating verses 1 through 7, the Red Sea. Exodus 14. But Exodus 17 takes place in verse 11. Can I show you Exodus 17? Can I show you? I told you that we'd be jumping around. I told you it was going to be different today. But you have to see this. Exodus 17. Somebody say, I'm going there. I am going there. Exodus 17. Watch this. I'm going somewhere. I promise I'm going somewhere. I promise. Watch this. So the same group of people, a few days later, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidium, but they, there was no water. 
for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us some water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take you some of the elders, with you some of the elders of Israel, and take your in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock. Somebody say the rock. At Oreb. Strike the rock. Somebody say the rock. Strike the rock and water will come out. We'll come out of it for all the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled there and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Hold on a second. This is the same group of people who were praising God. He's God, our rock. He's, he's our fortress. He's our shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture and he's great and we belong to him. And now is the Lord among us or not? Is God with us? Does he even care? There's been a shift. There's something that's taken place is their celebration has turned into dejection. Is the Lord among us or not? And the Lord, they've seen his hand all throughout their lives. The Lord has been there with them. The Red Sea, he was there, check. The plagues, he was there, check. The manna and the quail, he was there, check. When God said to them, I will heal all of your diseases, I am Jehovah Rapha, he was there, check. But now they're saying, is the Lord with us or not? Their celebration has turned into dejection. Why? Because they have false assumptions that are leading them to wrong conclusions. And it will imprison your mind. In fact, I read this story about the CEO who was leading this huge corporation. And he found out that his board of directors were meeting without him. And he began to live in the dots. Who do they think they are? Why would they try to meet without me? They understand they can't meet without me. Why are they trying to meet without me? Are they trying to circumvent the will? Why are they meeting without me? I don't understand it. There must be something wrong. I need to find out what it is. So he made a decision that he would show up at that board of directors meeting unannounced. And he walked in and he said, why are you guys meeting? Why do you think you can meet without me? And one of the board members said to him, well, your birthday is next month. And we were trying to plan a surprise party. False assumptions, wrong conclusions. The same happens in New Year's resolutions. Hello. We make New Year's resolutions thinking that, well, if we make a New Year's resolution and we stick to it some of the time, it's better than nothing. Well, I'm going to watch my caloric intake at lunch. But then you double fist Twinkies all afternoon. (laughs) And you wonder why when you step on the scale, nothing's happened. Or you're like, I'm going to be an effective time manager. I'm going to budget my time that much better. And so you realize that you need to be more efficient. And efficiency means fast. So you think, well, if I hurry up and everything that I'm doing at the end of the day, I'll have more time. Let's just see how that works out for you. Or you're thinking, okay, I want to change my belly structure. So I'm going to work out more. And the closest that you get to working out is putting your clothes on the treadmill. Anybody got that problem? 
Y'all better not lift your hand. Listen, there's nothing wrong with resolutions. Nothing. They're fine. The problem is in the application. In fact, Americans believe, the majority of Americans, I read a poll that said that they believe church is a good thing. So many people make a resolution after the new year, we're going to start going to church. The problem is the majority of Americans think going to church is a good thing, but only 12% actually go. There's a problem with the application. You see, if you're not getting out of church what you think you should, it could be that you're not putting into church what you should. Are you with me? That's why we want you to grab hold of the sense of belonging, the sense of family. We want you to belong in every way, physically, spiritually, financially, every single way. You see, this church has grown so much over the last several years, it's tough for us to maintain that intimacy. So we're trying to figure out how can we continue in every little area, think small while we continue to grow. Because we don't want to be this large church where a lot of people go. We want to be a large church where a lot of people belong. And it is a wrong conclusion. It's a false assumption for you to think that somebody else will go, someone else will serve, someone else will give. All that will do is lead us to the wrong conclusion. We will not achieve the vision that God has for us if there's not this incredible sense of belonging. That's the reason why Psalms 95 exists. That's what God was saying because the people of, of Israel were, were celebrating one moment. The next minute, they're, they're, is the Lord among us or not? Moses, man, you should give us some water. What's the problem? We should have stayed over in Egypt because we're going to die of thirst right here. Man, what's wrong with you for bringing us out here? That's kind of the way we function. It's we're celebrating God one moment and then the trial of life tends to take that celebration out of our mouths. And They had a sight problem. Seriously, they had a sight problem. They had seen God show up in so many different ways. They saw him show up at the Red Sea and they celebrated. They saw him show up at the manna and quail and they celebrated. But now they see their trial, they see their problem, but they cannot see how God is going to meet their need in their problem. They have a sight problem. False assumptions will rob you of your trust in God. You need to write that down. Take notes. All note takers go to heaven. I'm just telling you. False assumptions will rob you of your trust in God. That's why they're at Meribah. They're at Massah. And, 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 and they're quarreling and they're bickering. This is the same group of people just a few days before. How great is our God? He's awesome. We're the sheep of his pasture. He's our rock. He's our salvation. So we shout and sing for joy because we belong to him. And now they're like, Moses, I don't understand this, Moses. One minute they're praising God. This is the same group of people. This is the same group of people who lived in Psalms chapter 95 verses 1 through 7. But now they're living in verses 8 through 11 because the trial in their lives has broken down their faith. Because they're focused on their trial rather than their triumph in him. And so they're focused on that trial. And now their faith seems to be gone. Why? What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for but the evidence not seen. 
How is faith built? Faith is built by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So here are these people. Here's the deal. You can choose to live inside of Psalms chapter 95, verses 1 through 7, or you can live inside of Psalms chapter 95, verses 8 through 11. The choice is yours. You can either believe that God is for you, that He is with you, and He will always be there, or you can believe that God is not with you and for you. You can either believe that where is God? Is He among us or not? Where is He at? Or you can think about all that He's done and remember that he is for you, he is with you, that he is your rock, he is your help, he is your ever-present need, he is your shepherd, and you are his, his sheep. Somebody come on and help me. Lord, for the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside of quiet waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why, Jonathan? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares for me a table before my enemies. He causes my cup to overflow. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do I have any belongers up in the house of God today? There was a lady sitting on the front row this morning. First service, she said, Whoo, preacher, you taught it and we caught it. I said, I'm going to use that one. So, so, where am I at? Oh, let me take you somewhere. Let me take you somewhere. Go to Exodus chapter 17. Go, go, go back there. Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17. Okay. Verses 5 and 6. I want you to see this. It says, The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. He said, I'll stand there before you by the rock at Oreb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people will drink. He says, I'll stand there before you. This is a statement. This is a statement that God is making to them, reminding them of the very promise that he's already made to them that I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's saying, I am with you. I'm standing at the rock. I've always been with you. I'm with you now and I will forever be with you. And yet they still say, is the Lord among us or not? Hmm. Is the Lord among us or not? One theologian, see, when you begin to contemplate the trial in your life, you will miss the place that God is taking you to bring you into triumph. Grab hold of this. One theologian said this. He said that the greatest sin that the people of Israel had was their attitude. Is the Lord among us or not? The same people who were praising, writing an incredible praise song, oh, he's good, he's our rock. Now is, is the Lord among us or, or not? You see, here they have this, this juxtaposition that they find themselves in. Is the Lord, um, this is the way we are. We should just go back to Israel, the place, or go back to Egypt, the place that we came from. At least we, we wouldn't die of thirst. Think about that for a moment. They've been in Egypt for 400 years. Think about how it first started. They, they fled to Egypt because there was a famine in their land. So they escaped to Egypt so that they wouldn't die from the famine. When they got to Egypt, they stayed there for years, but then leadership changed, philosophies changed, and now they 
what they have escaped to, they are actually enslaved by. Mm, Grab hold of this. Some of the things that you think you are escaping to are actually enslaving you. You see, the place that they, you need to hear this. The thing that you are running to is actually worse than the place that you are running from. Hello, are you with me? You see, don't think that just because we flipped into a new calendar year that you're going to have something new in 2019 if you're still thinking the way you were in 2018. Here's this group of people. God is great. He's awesome. How great is our God. We sing for joy and shout his name. He's, he's our rock. We are the sheep of his, his pasture. But yet now there's this breakdown. There's this think about this with me. They have Psalms 95 verses 1 through 7, and then they have verses 8 through 11. One moment they're praising God, the next moment is God among us or not. Have you ever had a prayer request and that prayer request turn into a praise report? Anybody ever had that? Have you ever had your praise report turn back into a prayer request? (laughs) Hello? Here they have a prayer request. It turns into a praise report. And now it's turned back into a prayer. Listen, they need to be saved from something. Here's the, here's the deal. They need to be, they've already been saved from something they can see. That was the Red Sea. Now they need to be saved from something that they cannot see. And I am not talking about thirst. I'm talking about the attitude of a slave. God is trying to transition them to something greater. God is trying to transition them from despair to trust. He's trying to transition them, transition them in the, in the difficulty of life. He's trying to say to them, I am your provider. I am your rock. I am your shepherd. I am your source of strength. I am your joy. I am your breakthrough. I am your forgiveness. I am your tomorrow. I am when you cannot make a way. I am the one who will make a way. I am the one who will give you second chances. I am the one who will open doors. I am the one who will close doors. That is me. He wants them to see this. You see, what you need to understand is Psalms 95 is an attitude check. That's all it is. It's an attitude check. Are you going to live your life based upon the trials in your life so that you miss the triumph that God has for you? Or are you going to celebrate who he is, what he's done, that he is our God, that he is Jehovah, that he is the one who gives to us breakthrough, that he is our rock. You see, I don't know. How do I know that God is real? I've never seen him. I've never touched him. I've never heard his audible voice. But what I do know is that there have been times in my life when I didn't know how I was going to make it through. But something that didn't make sense happened. And the grace of God was poured out in my life. Has anybody else in here ever experienced that kind of grace when you couldn't make a way but God showed up and made a way good Lord have mercy somebody help me preach up in this place and get this it's not what he saved you from it's what he saved you to He is our salvation. He saved us to hope. He saved us to peace. He saved us to forgiveness. He saved us to healing. He saved us to confidence. He saved us to power. He saved us to a second chance, D. He saved us to breakthrough. Come on, somebody. Help me. Get up on your feet and give God praise. Because the salvation that he saved you to was something that you could not earn for yourself. 
here's where it gets good. Just stay on your feet. I'm going to close. But there's this incredible metaphor that's present. I just love how God's word works. There's this incredible metaphor that's present. In, in Psalms chapter 95, the psalmist writes that he is our rock. Somebody say rock. Hold on a second. Over in Exodus chapter 17, good looking crowd in the balcony. Hey, praise the Lord. Don't you like how everybody just runs around? Look, hey, he's okay. But in Exodus chapter 17, Moses is told by God what to do. He picks up the staff. And when he picks up the staff, he strikes the rock. The water begins to flow from the rock. Hold on a second. Psalms 95, he is our rock. Exodus chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, God says, I'm going to stand with you at the rock. Hold on. So the answer to their need was before them all alone. You're not getting this. Let me help you connect the dots. Never be so busy that you're so focused. Lord have mercy, somebody's about to get breakthrough. Sometimes you are too busy focused on the rock of obstacle that you miss the rock of resource. Lord have mercy. You miss the rock of resource. So what you can do, you can complain and you can grumble and you can say, is the Lord with us or not? And when you do that, all it's going to do is lead you down a road of problems and despair and disappointment and discouragement and depression and bitterness. Or you can live in Psalms 95 verses 1 through and following that says, he is my rock. He is my salvation. We are the sheep of his pasture. And that will cause you to sing a song with joy because he is your brother. Breakthrough. He is your hope. He is your help. Somebody say we got to get out of the dots. Grab this, grab this. False assumptions lead to wrong conclusions. But right assumptions lead to good endings. <laughs> 